Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa Christensen. Today is a conversation that I've been wanting to have that I know some of my clients and listeners have been asking about, and we are going to be talking about complex autoimmunity diseases or conditions, and in particular Hashimoto's. And I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Krista Coombs, who is a functional medicine practitioner and a Chinese medicine practitioner. Welcome, Krista. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be here, Clarissa. I'm, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Maybe a great place to start is what is Hashimoto's and mm. how prevalent is it among people like our listeners who are in perimenopause and menopause? That's a great question. Uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the autoimmune disease description for those people with hypothyroidism uh, that is caused by the immune system attacking the thyroid and destroying it over time. And it is the most common autoimmune disease on the planet currently, <clears throat> and has been uh, for a very long time. It's really close neck and neck with the other autoimmune disease called uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So both are, are autoimmune, where the immune system attacks different parts of tissue. Hashimoto's is very debilitating, though. It's not just pain. You do get pain. But as the thyroid gets destroyed, your body doesn't have the ability anymore to produce enough thyroid hormones to help with metabolism, to help with growth, to help with even your mindset. It's a very debilitating disease if it's not caught soon. And about 95 to 97% of those people with hypothyroidism, the root reason for that is the autoimmunity. It's not just you got hypothyroidism. So millions and millions of, of people in the world, mostly women, 80% of them are women who have Hashimoto's. It's autoimmune. And they, a lot of them don't even know it. The number of times in my practice that we've looked at antibodies because their MDs didn't, or they looked at it years ago and didn't tell them it was autoimmune is staggering. So yeah, it's very prevalent. Yeah. And, and it shows up, doesn't it, in things like brain fog, a lot of tiredness, like a depression, if I'm correct, it's as much mental as it is physical. Oh, for sure. Thyroid hormone affects pretty much every cell in the body. And if it can't get in or we don't have enough and it can't get in inside the cells and do the work at the at the cell, nuclear level, yeah, everything gets affected. Um, literally every organ is impacted. And yeah, depression is a very common sign. You know, this for, for the subset of group of, of, of your listeners who are perimenopausal, postmenopausal, uh, that's a time of, in Chinese medicine, we call it the second spring. It's your second puberty. And there's lots of shifts that are supposed to happen. But when you have all those hormonal shifts, there's a lot of turning on and off of immune function. 
and a lot of uh, disruption. And usually women entering, in my experience, entering perimenopause are pretty stressed. They've been wearing their body out and they're just not functioning at a high level. So they're already stressed going into a stressful time. And then you get this hormonal disruption and autoimmunity is, it's easy to turn on in at those kind of disrupted states. So like puberty, having babies, so childbirth, Mm -hmm. and then your second spring. So depression is one of the top symptoms. When I got diagnosed, one of the top symptoms for me was I barely could put a sentence together. I had gained a lot of weight, like a lot. And that didn't even bother me as much as the crying in the morning and then the inability to get up at a decent time and go to my business. And my enthusiasm was next to nothing. And I couldn't really be there for my patients. And I literally, the thing that got me to go and test myself was that I couldn't put a sentence together. My brain was just not working. And But yeah, lots of symptoms, brain fog, hair loss, cold. And a lot of those are similar to perimenopausal symptoms. Correct. Yeah. Again, the body's all related. And so when you start having these hormonal shifts, thyroid hormones are hormones as well, right? If you start getting these hormonal shifts at one endocrine organ, because it's being destroyed actively, you're going to have miscommunications then with the ovaries, with the adrenals to the brain. And these are other, a couple of the other endocrine organs that are all interrelated in that axis. So your body tries to compensate, can't do it. You can't live on adrenaline alone and your body starts to wear out. And once you have one autoimmune disease, typically if you're not managing that well with lifestyle, you're going to get another one. And so who knows, there could be other things going on during perimenopause. You could have a lot of estrogen dominance compared to say another gal. And then the, the differences between that and progesterone are just so staggering much of the time that, yeah, your immune system is heavily regulated by those hormones. And so there's lots of disruption, lots of things turning on and off that shouldn't be, if you want stability. Yeah, of course. And that's what we're aiming for, isn't it? To have a more stable journey and stable in general anyway. That's the function that we're aiming for, isn't it? Given that there's fluctuation anyway. I think, though, that we've been led to believe that in society that women should always be stable. Like balance is, everything's the same kind of every day and that we don't have any shifts. And it's this patriarchal world really where they have cycles, but they're really quick. And so the stability is a little easier for them to maintain. Mm-hmm. What looks like stability every day is the same. For us though, we have a, a monthly cycle in usually. And we don't, I think we haven't been trained to respect that. Well, I know I wasn't. In, in my own culture. And I don't, I think across the world we aren't. And so when you get into perimenopause and everything gets even more chaotic, we have this pressure to, to conform and feel like, oh my God, something's wrong. So stability, I think, could be where you're respecting the shift. Yeah. And, and we don't go into it respecting it. And we don't try to go through it respecting it. And then you get to postmenopausal where we are. And now we're probably trying to respect it. But a lot of damage has happened in that time frame. I love what you do because you're trying to reach people before they make too many of those kind of, of inappropriate expectations of balance. 
Yeah, and I think that balance in that sense means that, as you said, it's respecting this change. And I think we've created, as you said, a patriarchal world and it runs on a 24-hour kind of hormonal clock that a man will run on. You're right, we're 28 and goodness knows what we are in perimenopause. That is just a shifting (laughs) thing. (laughs) And then we're disanchored as people. We're disanchored from diurnal rhythms in this modern world. We're disanchored from seasonal rhythms. And that is going on in our society alongside our own biology and impacting our own biology. Absolutely. And if you go back to Hashimoto's, it's really common for that to show up in the 40s during perimenopause. Really common. It can be developing for up to 10 years prior where you get fits and starts of the autoimmune process where you have antibodies that are being created that attach to various parts of the thyroid and trigger the immune system when it sees those antibodies to attack those cells and cause damage. But that, that is progressive. By the time you actually need thyroid hormone from a medication, from an MD, your thyroid is could be up to 90% destroyed. That's incredible. Now that, that also is incredible how resilient the body is. It manages to make help you with 10% of a functioning organ. I, I think that's magnificent that the body's so resilient. It can't recover itself very well. I think there's there is some suspicion that thyroid cells can maybe regenerate a little, not like the liver, but it won't recover completely. And all you can hope for is to slow down the decline and to not have more what's called epitope spreading and and get more autoimmune diseases. But boy, it takes about 10 years. So you get into perimenopause and all the hormones are going all crazy. And estrogen can in general be very immune stimulating. And a lot of women, when their progesterone starts to go really low, estrogen is relatively high. And for some, it's frankly high. And that's going to be very immune stimulating. So if you've got something already started, it just, it's a slippery slope and it just takes over. And uh, then perimenopause becomes very difficult. Yes, because it's, because as we said, you've got depression and brain fog and possibly pain and fatigue. And those are not uncommon symptoms for a non-Hashimoto sufferer to have in perimenopause. Well, do they know they don't have Hashimoto's? No, maybe not. No, that's the thing. And so most, you're never going to get tested unless you, the doc is going to say, and I'm not knocking physicians here, but it is how a lot of them are trained. They're going to say, oh, you're in that time of life. It's to be expected to have depression. It's to be expected to have hot flashes. It's to be expected to gain some weight on your belly. It's expected to sleep differently. And I don't know. I don't. I just feel that it doesn't have to be so challenging. And And that's why I love helping women prepare for perimenopause so that the transition is they recognize it's going to happen. It's biological, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to turn your world upside down in a negative way and, and make you feel bad about yourself because you can't control all the symptoms. Yeah, it's frustrating. They, they, a lot of these gals don't even know that they have a brewing autoimmune condition. No, so that doesn't show up, does it, until maybe some way down in perimenopause or later and even later in life? No, I think that it can show up really early. Like I say, it could be brewing for up to 10 years, even before. So there are women, like I say, you could have all kinds of disruptions in your hormones during your 20s, for example, even puberty. And it starts often in puberty. So it gets triggered in puberty. And then in the 20s, women are on birth control pills, which 
disrupt a lot of systems, which would be a great conversation. It yeah. And then you have babies and then the immune system when you were pregnant switches from what's called a Th1 dominance setup to a more Th2 so you can handle this little parasite inside who's a, <laughs> this little alien that is different than you in more ways than it's the same so that you could protect it and have it. And then when you give birth, it switches back to the Th1 and boom, if you've got autoimmune stuff happening, it's just flared. So it can turn on then too, and then in perimenopause. So it could be on many times throughout your twenties and then get calmed down and go into a bit of a remission. But then your forties are all over the place because there's more wear and tear by the time you get there. Most women are, are working so hard. They got all these kids and they're working outside the home or they're stressed with a divorce or all the things. Their bodies aren't, they haven't been eating very well, mostly a lot of dieting that is inappropriate for their particular YO unique body. And then boom, they're going into a really chaotic second puberty and the autoimmunity is just, okay, we're on now. Immune systems, I don't know what to do for you. We have to protect you as much as possible. That's what I see happening. So it, can, it could be diagnosed really early. Yeah. And so you see somebody who has way more symptoms early on. Potentially, there's something like that brewing for years prior. Wow. And there's a big it. move, isn't there, to put women on the pill, very contraceptive pill, really young. And I mm -hmm. even heard some clinician say on social media, she didn't think women needed to have periods anymore. They could just not have a period. They could take a tablet and just have a go into that phase when they wanted to have a child, which is, I was fairly shocked to to read that and think that's completely opposite to our biology. And yep. surely those things, as you said, are linked to then this autoimmune issues further down the line. For the body to attack itself is that's a pretty significant thing. To The immune system is supposed to attack foreign things to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. So if your body is not feeling safe and it's seeing parts of yourself now as foreign, boy, that's a pretty big deal. And there's millions and millions of people suffering from over a hundred different defined types of autoimmunity. I think you could have autoimmune against any tissue in the body. And it comes down to, I've learned over time in trying to manage Hashimoto's in myself that a couple of things. One, I've stopped saying it's my Hashimoto's. I don't define myself as a Hashimoto's person anymore. I did. Or even perimenopausal or postmenopausal. It's just, I am. <laughs> and this is the dynamic that my body is in. And I look at it as, and I tell this to my gals all the time, the body you currently have, if it has a lot of symptoms that are uncomfortable for you, it means that the body you currently have, your YO unique body, is no longer in an environment that is working for it. Instead of having a definition of a disease, even these people who they're, they're frustrated maybe that their docs won't test for Hashimoto's, but they're having all these symptoms, it almost doesn't matter because you got to look at your body and say, it's just my, the environment I keep choosing to put it in, thoughts, people surround myself with, the food I eat, the water I drink or don't drink, <laughs> the, what, all the things that we do, the, the things you put on your skin, the everything is not working for the body I have today. And you're like, oh, I did it when I was 20, but it, you're not 20 anymore and your body has declined. And so even from self-abuse that is intentional or unintentional, it's declined. And so you have to treat it as though 
you have to treat it from today. So that's what I always encourage is that there's so much you can do to support yourself to have an, an easier transition. It, it's still a transition and all transitions are, there's a little chaos. But to get to the other side of and get to a place of real true growth takes a little efforting. But it can be pretty easy if you take your body and say, I, okay, what, can, what in my environment can I make adjustments to to give me the biggest bang for buck to support all my systems so that they communicate a little easier, they, my body feels safer, my mind is safer, and I can cruise through this with more ease. Because I'll tell you, I, you may agree, once you start doing some of that and you get to the other side, it's like the chicken crossing the road. When you get to the other side, post-menopause is awesome. I love oh, being yeah. in my 50s. Yeah. I do. I, I, right now, I love it. I love it more than my 40s. And I loved my 40s for growth. But now there's a freedom to grow because I've taken care of a lot of the environmental things that weren't serving me for the desire of a life that I want to have. And now I don't define myself as somebody with autoimmunity. I just look at my body and say, this is what it's still dealing with. How can I improve my situation so that I don't have those symptoms? It's a much less pressured way. And you don't give your power away to an to a medical system that will or won't test you for what you want. And instead, you can say, well, I have a lot of say. I have a lot of influence over how my body recovers. And I don't need somebody telling me how to do that. A little guidance for people like us and yeah. geeks on the side. I call myself <laughs> a guide on the side all the time. And instead of a sage on the stage, you're a guide on the side and you say, this works. Here's how you can do that and bam these women do exceptionally well and they're literally putting into place lifestyle and dietary changes mm -hmm. that can make a phenomenal difference what do you see as some yeah. of the core things that the women who come to you can make changes mm -hmm. to given that each of us is an individual as well for sure i see four pillars and i call it easy you have to look at food if you don't look at food and your food choices that's what builds your body. So if you're eating processed food constantly, you're processed. Your body cannot tolerate that amount of damaged food or toxins over time and not have damage. It just can't do it. And then you develop your body because the immune system, most of it lives in mouth to bum. It's all along that track. That's called the GALT. Because most of the immune system lives there, 75 to 85% of it, everything you eat and drink any drugs you take that are oral have to go through the gut and they meet the immune system instantly. And that can cause all kinds of cross reactivities with other tissues in your body. So food has to be the place that you start. And with Hashimoto's across the board for almost, I think pretty much all the autoimmune diseases, it's pretty clear now there's a cross reactivity with the glutes, parts of the gluten molecule and the gluten molecule is huge. So gluten has to go that's an easy thing to do. It's in a lot of things, but if you go, I tell people all the time, eat ingredients 99% of the time. It's not hard. And it just takes practice and, and a decision to make things non-negotiable and negotiable. So I teach people how to do that. So that's paramount. And then you have to work on making sure that you're eating enough nutrition to support the body. And I see a lot of women eating not enough we have this fear of gaining weight or gaining weight in a perimenopause because of other interplays of hormones that aren't just about what you eat. 
and we need to support the body where it is that at that time, not when it was 20. So you, you have to adjust. So I teach people that. And then there has to be, I think the most important part is having your mind in the game. It, it's, you agree. It's mm-hmm. the number one thing. Uh, people say, oh, sleep is it, whatever. And I go, no, it's the mindset. Because if you don't decide to go to sleep, at a decent time, you're not going to get good sleep. Right. If you're not going to decide to be gluten-free, absolutely. Uh, and with Hashimoto's, usually it's dairy-free as well. And that yes. makes a lot of sense. Yes. And that's a great conversation too. Oh. That decision and have it stick and choose to make yourself a passion project all the time. Like all the time. I don't care what's happening in your life. You can still choose you first. Put your oxygen mask on first and then help others. Yes. So... It's not a it's not a badge of honor to destroy yourself for somebody else. But we've been told it is. We've been trained it is. And so the mindset piece is number one. And so I really preach that. I like you. I, yeah. I preach it that maybe I am like a sage on the stage for that one <laughs> because it is the number one. But yes. if you get that dialed in and you start working on bits and pieces of that and you start looking at your limiting beliefs and starting to play with early beliefs and rewriting those stories because they're all stories because they're not true for everyone. So they're just stories. And so we can rewrite them. All of a sudden you're making better choices about everything in your lifestyle, but you have to know what to do. So that's where the guides are helpful. Yes. Because it can get very overwhelming when you're going from blog to blog to blog and MDs will not be able to help you because they're not trained that way. So that's it. I think that's the number one. Then you bring in mental, physical, spiritual activities. You bring in sleep and rest. Those are my E-A-S-Y. But the Y, which is saying yes yesterday to yourself and the E, dialing in nutrition and and absorption. That is, that's key for autoimmune management and perimenopause management. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's not so hard, is it, Krista? I think it gets blown out of proportion and, mm-hmm. and dialed up as being so hard. And then there's only drugs as the answer. Yeah. And we forget that we have to nourish the mind, the spirit and the body. And if we're not doing those things, I actually don't think ourselves. we forgot it. I think no. that we weren't taught it and we were yeah. taught yeah. that to, I, yeah, we just weren't taught to think internal. We weren't, I, the number of women, I meet a lot of women come to me for fertility issues over time for in the Chinese medicine space. And yes. so for the last couple of decades, I've worked a lot with that. I can count probably on two hands in 20 years, the number of women who actually understood something about their menstrual cycle. And that was, that's staggering <laughs> to me. Now, yes. I, I used to say, gee, how do you not want to know about your own body? That's your only thing you really have. But I am a geek. And so that's like fun for me. For some people, it's not fun for them. So for somebody else, it might be accounting, which is not fun for me. <laughs> started to respect that they just didn't have that interest. But if they're having infertility issues, you would think that would be like the first thing they look at or that a doc would talk to them about, but no. So I, it's not a big surprise that people don't, they don't first they don't forget. They're not forgetting. They just don't no. know. No. And whose parents told them about it unless they were geeks too? Like it just doesn't happen. So I think we have to, we have, that's why these podcasts are so important and people listening is the exposure to thoughts that can empower people to think differently than what they've always been told was true. And realizing that we are our best friends. 
And we can, we need to at least understand some of the fundamentals of how our beautiful, incredible bodies work to make better decisions to support the life we say we want to have. And it requires efforting. It's not just yeah. going to McDonald's or going to Tim Hortons or whatever it is that you do and having quick things at the grocery store. It's saying, I like myself so much, or I'm going to, I'm trying to, that I'm going to prepare these foods and choose to eat to serve the body I have, go to bed at a decent time most of the time and see what happens. And I tell gals every day, you need to believe it before you see it. Trust me, like you got to believe it before you see it. It works. And within a week, it's different. Like within one week, we have, the body is so incredibly resistant, resilient, and, Mm -hmm. and it can just recover it takes a lot to get to a very strong, like a light, really high tipping point where you can't recover. But in perimenopause, women can recover. Yeah. And they're, they're still at that vital stage. And the body can recover function very quickly. Even within a week, there's huge change. So then they believe it. And then the longer they do it, the more they believe it. And then the confidence comes. They're like, I'll never have to be fat again. Or I'll never have to be depressed again. Or I'll never have to be losing my hair again, because I have learned what supports the body I have. I've taken that YO uniqueness and I have acknowledged it and said, I appreciate that. And I'm going to support you, even if it's not the same as what my husband eats, or even if it's not the same as what my family reunion and all the pressures of a travel, you say, that's small stuff. The big stuff is I can go for a hike, or I can sit down with the grandkids and play for hours, or I can read a I can write my novel or I can have a long conversation and not need to go to bed at one in the afternoon for a nap. It's insane how crazy the, the body res- can resolve a lot of these things. Yeah. But you got to know why you want to be well. That's the other one, isn't it? Understanding your why, what is the purpose? So that begins us to set consistency, doesn't it? In a, we have a plan, we have a purpose, we have then the consistency in our habits and we have to keep showing up like this because otherwise oh, sure. we don't see any shift. The, the first thing I ask all of my patients to do and, and anybody in my groups is to define a why. And they really have a hard time, the majority of gals. And what I found for myself, and perhaps you'd agree, what I do is I schedule in my calendar. At Once a month, I go to a really cool cafe, which I love. And then I sit down and I reimagine my why. I'm always reimagining my why. And because whys change as you change or as you have new experiences and new stories are populating your mind. So I sit down with a a, a cool journal and I just brain dump (laughs) and I just do this big web of cool ideas. I'm like, what am I dreaming about? What are the things that are like top of mind right now? And then I take those and I put them into a couple of paragraphs. And I just create this new reframe, reframed why. that, And then I compare it to my last month's one. And I've gone all the way back to a year ago and compared <laughs> it. And I'm like, wow, like I've achieved most of the things. Yeah. And in record time, faster than I ever did the rest of my life. All because of these new habits that I do myself. And I now teach other people because they work. And they're simple. And they're... I like easy. <laughs> it doesn't mean there's not work, but it, it needs no. to be easy. Developing your why, it's always going to evolve. Otherwise, it's so easy to fall off and I fall off sometimes. And then I have 
trained myself to, when I start to fall, it might be I, maybe I'm emotionally eating, something happened and I didn't catch it or I was too tired or something. And then I start going off for maybe a few hours or maybe even a couple of days. And then I pivot and I yes. go, we don't do this anymore. And uh, I pivot. Yeah. And yeah. I just go, we don't do this anymore. Pivot. And then I have these pivots that I do that now I'm so confident that they work. Like I have no worries. <laughs> like I, don't, I don't have any worries because you just know that you can support your body because your mind's in the game majority of the time. Yes. And I think, yeah. as you said, we're not giving away that power to somebody right else on. to decide for us. That's right. We are empowered to take control of our own health and our own well-being and our bigger picture of where we want to be. The only thing I think you can control is perhaps your perspective, but I don't think you can control your body, but I do think that like words matter to me. So I think that you have extreme influence. And if you take back ownership of that, that power to be influential over yourself, imagine then also women love to give back, right? Generally speaking, women yes. are very nurturing beings and we are taught to be that too but we are that way and so instead of feeling maybe selfish that all you do is think about yourself and take care of yourself when you do all that work and it becomes easy because it's just new habits and you learn how to pivot and and, and quickly reframe your your energy is higher you vibrate very differently and you attract other things that are no longer at a low level of, of energy you just do and the people around you get raised up no matter what. Even on your worst day, they do because your energy is still higher because yes. you pivot quicker. So the influence then, not only on your own physiology and mindset and spirituality, you have an enormous influence on anybody who comes in your, probably even not even within your vicinity. It's amazing how far yeah. you can go. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So then look at all the people you influence. And I just find that amazing because if you're coming from a place of deficiency, a place of self-loathing or a place of unhappiness with yourself, you cannot possibly give <clears throat> at the level of when you are confident, comfortable, and feeling much more vital so that you have, you're not overflow, you're not emptying your cups so readily. Yes. I think that's powerful. Yes. You don't need anybody else. Maybe guides, like you listen to podcasts or you do a, a little course program or writing class or whatever, fine. Just to up level, you're always looking to grow, not just to stay underneath that low ceiling of happiness that you've been told is all you can have. Yeah. And at the same time, you're just, and you're giving it away to others all the time because you're over giving. And I see that as a right. fundamental part of this too, that we keep well, that giving That's away. how I got sick. Yeah, that's exactly how I yeah. got sick. Yeah, and it was just disregard for my own self, uh, totally living here and not thinking about all this gift that I have. Yeah. And uh, but you can change at any time. We have people in their seventies that work with me, eighties, and yes. that you can change your mind if you if you want to. It's all just stories. Exactly. And you can say illicit change whenever you want to. We're reading, I think, more and more about particularly women who are coming into their 60s and 70s. They suddenly start, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start right. a podcast. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do something amazing. Right. You may have heard one of my other guests, her oldest client is 79, and she took up whitewater rafting. And I just thought, that's phenomenal. 
is great, but you can do it if you want to, if you set that intention to do that. But fear gets in the way and fear of, and and the older you get, of course, if if you haven't been taking care of yourself very well, your body falls apart a little quicker. Yeah. Uh, Entropy kind of (laughs) kicks in and the systems can't recover function as well as they used to. I think that's inevitable at some level, but I don't know if it has to be so rapid. And I, I do think that you can recover a lot of function. And then whitewater rafting is not such a fearful activity because you're not going, oh, my bones are going to break if I do fall out of the boat. You're, and I was listening to your podcast with the kayaker, whitewater yeah. kayaker. I'm yes. a kayaker. I love kayaking, but it's not whitewater. <laughs> I am out <laughs> listening to birds and, and kayaking on big, beautiful lakes, but yeah. for hours at a time. But you've got to build up your resiliency for that and then the trust that your body can do it. You can build that confidence and then the fear no longer rules your life. Exactly. Brilliant. That is brilliant. And so now with your work, you're obviously working a lot within this space of autoimmune disease. You're combining functional medicine with Chinese medicine. What has that brought, I think, to you yourself and to your clients? Oh, game changer. It is a dream come true for me because I come from a science background. I, I have a biology degree as well. And so I love Western science. I've just always been a geek like that. And then I, I got into Chinese medicine for four years and did that schooling, which is very holistic, very, it's a really unique paradigm of how to look at the body, at least in our society. And then I practiced for over a decade doing that. And I always felt like there was something more I could offer to my people. Mm-hmm. So then I just jumped into functional medicine with the Institute for Functional Medicine. I did all their courses within a year. And then I got certified because it was, I just devoured it. Anything I could work, anything with Dr. Datis Karazian, I've done everything he's ever put out. (laughs) And I think, and and I just was ravenous because it was such a beautiful pairing with the Chinese medicine foundational concepts of everything is connected, including with the environment we put ourselves in and beyond. Everything is connected. Not all functional medicine practitioners really go that far. But it is looking at the body from a more Western science perspective as all connected. There's no disconnection. You're not just treating a heart disease as a heart. You're you're doing the holism. And my God, it was game changer. It it has been such such a deep rabbit hole. It's so easy to geek out. It's hard not to (laughs) over explain things to patients because I think it's so fun. But it has made me very powerful. I can look at people and know things and and it's not because it's just, it's because I've developed the intuition with all this knowledge and experience and coming to work is just fun. Ugh. Even with the really complex, people are so suffering and I still get joy out of helping them. So it, it's joyful. And I think it makes healing more likely because mm-hmm. I have way more tools in my toolbox that I can play with. And I look at the body very differently. Uh, I've got a foot in one in each world, Eastern and Western, and just, I don't know, I feel like a really great cowboy just sitting <laughs> in the saddle. I got a foot in both worlds and I'm like galloping. It's just a joy. And mm-hmm. I've seen people up-level their lives in ways so rapid compared to even a decade ago when I was working with the same types of individuals yes. and conditions um, and symptom, you know, mm. lists. Uh, the, those dynamics. The, 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 I, I don't use as many supplements. I, I use mostly food forward mindset. It, it's incredible. So 
I wish for every functional medicine practitioner to get there because it's less expensive to do it this way and it's more empowering for the person. And we can take really complex things like intense autoimmune conditions that debilitate us, just pretty much destroy our lives and get our lives back in such remarkable ways. Yeah, it makes my job really amazing. That's beautiful, Krista. Yeah, that's so beautiful. When you, and you actually said you use less supplements, which I think is sure. often what you hear leveled in the outer world about functional practitioners. Oh, they just give lots of supplements and tests. Mm-hmm. But I think your focus is on on real food, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. In the beginning, if somebody's really debilitated, we, we might use a few very carefully chosen supplements that are very clean, uh, but it's usually temporary. Almost always. And with the focus is on improving digestion, getting inflammation down, getting a gut and an immune rest, and then teaching them how to personalize their diet, how to personalize their lifestyle that supports where their wild unique body is today. And, and with those slight changes, it could be one, two degrees changes. They end up somewhere different very quickly. And that's the power. You want momentum as fast as possible yeah. with the least number of outside sources that aren't needed. So food is needed. And the different relationship with food has to change. Food is information, not just fuel. And it's not just fun. So it's information and different foods ask the body to do different things. It's not calories in, calories out. That I think is fundamental. When you go to a functional medicine practitioner, yes, typically it's very expensive from a testing point of view. We have lots of fancy tests that we can do. We can look at different biochemistry in the body and see all the relationships. Now, that is fun, but it's not always required. Blood work, if you get the right stuff, is usually enough to get started. And then you just look at the symptoms and you change their environment and their body will do the recovery. You don't need a test to show you what what you need to do to recover. And you don't need a supplement if you're eating good foods most of the time. And what you're paying a good practitioner for is the guidance to look at how your body is working and giving you a strategy of how to get to where you say you want to go and yes. giving you perspective. That's why it should cost more. That's a skill set that is very, it takes a long time to develop mm-hmm. as us practitioners. And when you find somebody who can help you do that is worth a lot of money. Because they can do, they can help you get from A to Z very quickly, wherever your Z is. Whereas if you're just taking supplements or just following a blog or just like saying a generality and saying, I'm like every other Hashimoto's patient or every other perimenopausal person in the world, mm-hmm. you know you're not. Everybody's wild unique. And so you need some specialized, personalized guidance. That to me is the best practitioner on the planet. That is what I'm always striving to be that. I may never get there, but I, that's what I strive for because I may not be the person that can rattle off all the biochemistry perfectly, but I can certainly look at somebody and say, here's where you start. And I know this is a good path for you up the mountain. There's no use in trying to helicopter them to the top of the mountain <laughs> because there's no, not much oxygen up there and you haven't adapted. No. And no. you didn't do the work. You didn't get stronger. You didn't adapt. No. And so you're just going to fall down the mountain as soon as we drop you off. And that is the antithesis of what we're seeing in Western medicine is here's the drug that'll fix you. Your symptoms have dampened. I wouldn't. And you're okay now. But it's not just Western. It's all the medicines. A lot of them are very 
outside sourced things other than food. And so herbs even, herbs are medicine too. And if you're eating them on your food, that's one thing. But if you're using them as a medicine, it's still just green medicine. And yeah, yeah, I think it's still better, but in most cases, other than emergency cases, but it's still, and I think it went that way because, you know, we are conditioned in our societies to go outside of ourselves for the answer and that answer should be in a bottle. We should be able to pay for health and you cannot, it doesn't exist for anyone. Even myself, who's had my thyroid was so destroyed that I had to go on thyroid medication and I've made my peace with that. If I go off of it, I will die over eventually (laughs) very quickly. (laughs) So I've made my peace with that, but it's never going to be the same as if I'd gotten to preserve my thyroid. It can't be. It's not in a bottle. There's no health in a bottle. No. There's maybe some assistance for a little while, but case in point, we get people all the time coming to me 10, 20 years. They've been on a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor yeah, to yeah. suppress acid yeah. medication. You look on the on anything about those medications, they say it's only for two weeks. People are over 20 years and that destroys your digestion, you no longer can absorb foods properly because you can't digest them properly. Right. No, people talk about it, but not enough people know about that. Now, that's a great conversation too, because you could help hundreds and hundreds of people just with that one conversation if they made yes. changes. But this is what we're taught. I'm, I want to eat this food. So I get acid reflux when I eat it. And so I'll just take this pill so I don't hurt when I eat it. And yeah. you're like, you're not going to digest it properly. It's still causing the damage but the pill's not fixing anything. No. Otherwise you wouldn't need it. No, it's doing, it's masking. So I think that it can happen, as you say, anyway, it can be green medicine. It, it can yes. be Western, although Western tends to have that as its first approach. Quite sure. often. And, that, that and we is, hope, we would money. hope a good herbalist would have a little bit more in their oh, armory. And, and I'm and certainly not saying they're the same, but it, it's gotten just to make a living you still have to serve the, give the people what they want, what they yes. say they want, yes. even though roundabout, you're trying to give them what they need. So green medicine is still a very much better approach. I just wish that it was a little less long-term, that mm-hmm. people would be inspired to, instead of taking an adaptogen for five years because you're stressed out, it's like looking at what's stressing you out. Is it your perception of things? Is it, an, is it a person? Yes. Is it a, is it your house? Is it something? And then making those adjustments so that you no longer need the adaptogen. Yeah. The adaptogen was to help support you during a very tough time as you transition to a healthier lifestyle. And I think that's where a lot of practitioners in whatever field mm-hmm. miss it because we, at, we aren't teaching our patients to want that. We're just giving them what they say they want. They want a quick fix. They want the pain to be gone. They want, so it, it becomes like, transactional instead of transformational yeah. healthcare. Yes. And so working towards that level of competency in delivery of your information and guidance is a huge amount of work and you don't get paid really well for that. But in my mind, ethically, that makes the most sense and it makes me feel the most influential and like in service yes. than transactional care. Transactional care is way easier. You don't have to work as hard. You don't. (laughs) I've done that. I did that in my first 10 years, but it it wasn't fulfilling. And you're the same. It's just not fulfilling. No. You do have to work harder and smarter, but you help more. You actually help. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you and you're empowering the person. Yeah, you're guiding them, as you said, you're their guides, and they are then on a path where they can dip back in for help when they need it yes. and guidance. But they're actually in control of their lives. Largely, certainly have way more influence than they ever knew. Yes, and and they no longer believe everything some authority says to them. And then they question, and I love when they question, and they can question in a very polite way, but they become more informed, they ask better questions, they get better answers as a result, and they, their energy is at a different level, so they'll attract better practitioners or better things to them, to their lives, and they're like, this is so much easier. Again, easier. I like everything to be easy. Because <laughs> yeah. Life has been so hard by choice. And yes. so now I choose to try and see it as more easy, lucrative, and fun. Elf. I'm going to ask one final question of you, Krista. If you could revisit your younger self, what <laughs> health would you want to share with her? Health advice. What health advice? Mm -hmm. I think I would want to say, especially when I was really young, trust my intuition about my body. Really listen to what it needs. Because it's never wrong. Like truly listen. And I've learned to be a better listener now. It's a bit late, but it's the way it is. <laughs> it's better late than never than I was then. But I, I wish that I could go back to her and say, just really listen. Don't believe everything everybody else tells you. Your body is yours. You know it best. Trust that. Yeah. That is, I think, awesome advice. And I think we're not, we're just not taught to do that. But no. we can trust our body because it is telling you whatever it is, whether you're tired with what you should be, what your body sometimes needs from a food perspective, the, the relationships you should push away and those you want to pull to, it intuitively knows. And I think, I think many of my listeners can relate that when you go against that, deep intuition you feel that so we talk about a gut feeling sure. you know it and it generally is something doesn't go right when we ignore but we're feeling. trained to say what do mm -hmm. you want look outside of us and what yes. does somebody else want we need yes. to be of service like servants <laughs> to others and, yeah. and i generally shy away from that word i, I said it earlier but I, I generally try to stay away from that because i would like to be a contributor not a servant yeah. and, and but that i wasn't trained that way I was trained to think I need to do this for them mm -hmm. and that it's at my expense regardless of how I feel. And so I learned to disconnect from myself and not see the value. So yeah, if I could go back, boy, oh boy, <laughs> that would, but I guess I knew I need to tell myself this now because when I'm a hundred, I don't want to look back and go, I wish I told my 51 year old self to trust herself better. <laughs> Rest when you're tired and, and take a break and choose a different career or whatever it is you exactly. really dream you want to do that truly lights you up. If you don't feel like contributing to somebody, don't do it. It's either a win or a no deal. Gosh, that'd be great advice. That, that's brilliant advice for, any, for anyone at any age, Chris. Yeah, but it's a hard lesson for us gals. It's very hard. And, and in perimenopause, we feel worse about ourselves because we can't control all of our emotions. And there isn't that sense of what we think balance should be. And, and our bodies are changing and we get angry and, and then we're rageful and all the things. Yeah, come back to center and go, gosh, I'm okay. Yeah. Next. 
can start learning about how to help yourself grow. Exactly. Yeah. It's well, a great journey. It's a great, it is. I love what you journey. do. Thank you for doing what you do. Yes. Thank you for putting all of this great, these ideas from different unique people out into the world and letting, letting others up level their lives. That is a, it's a real gift that you've given people. Oh, thank you for that. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Krista, how can the listeners get in touch with you? And I know you've got a freebie as well that we want to give mm. Yeah. So if there's people on the, on your, any of your listeners that have Hashimoto's or are worried that maybe they do and they have hypothyroidism, which is almost always going to be Hashimoto's, I do have a freebie that may help them get some more ease within how to look at that so they feel more confident in asking for blood work and whatever and food ways to handle their lifestyle. So it's at theeasyway.ca. That's my website for my group. And then it's forward slash Hashimoto's the easy way. It's very simple. Hashimoto's the easy way. And they can get a free document that is pretty interesting. It, It gives them the top six ways to start really making a difference very quickly on how their body feels, even with a complex autoimmune condition. That's fantastic. And we will put that in the show notes for the listeners that are signed up to the newsletter that will also go in there. We'll make sure it's in social media because this is such valuable information that is not out there apart from you in the same way. So Krista, I am- Perimenopause, it's common to turn it on. And I think if I could leave them with anything is it doesn't have to be so difficult it actually can get easy when the mindset is in the game and you get some good guidance and and from people like yourself and from me. So Hashimoto's is not a death sentence. Perimenopause, it doesn't have to be horrible. In fact, it can be just magnificent. So uh, there's always hope. Everything's figure outable. Thank you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I hope listeners have gained, and I would suspect that they have gained so much from this conversation. Thank you for reaching out and for becoming a guest on Thriving So Bad Films, Krista. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening, and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.